0: I hope you can tell from everybody has been in front of you today that we are just excited. You heard it in Hannah's voice and Nathan's voice, Jeremy's voice, I hope you hear it in my voice. There's just great things going on. feel like we're reengaging. Well, I want to tell you that our missions offering is now over $172,000. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. It's been so exciting to see so many of our ministries reengage. Youth ministry on Sunday night, campus ministry on Tuesday night, RSVP on Wednesday night. Those have all been great. Last Sunday, uh, we had more people in attendance uh, than we have since COVID started, and that was wonderful. And at the same time, we've had a great number of people still with us online. So really, really wonderful things are happening. Children's ministry getting kicked back up, obviously that's been really good. Our shepherds this morning, want to share with you our next step that I think will encourage you today. The own button I found is always helpful. There we go.
1: Now, uh, can you hear me? Yes. You know, it's fascinating. I have a degree in electrical engineering, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I have two sons that are good with technology, so All right. This microphone and I are doing hand-to-hand combat. Just, just a second.
0: Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> There we go. <laughs>
1: Super glued. Next time. <laughs> well, now to the serious part. Uh, I am here to share some news uh, with you from uh, our shepherds. Um, we we want to share today some exciting plans for our Sunday morning worship times. After much discussion and prayer, uh, the elders believe the time is right to take some new steps in our worship planning. At every meeting we've had over the past year, uh, the shepherds have discussed the ways that we see COVID impacting the individuals and the church. Um, And in the last couple months, we have seen Uh, new signs of emotional and spiritual isolation that have really begun to be concerning and called us to consider new moves to address that. Today, I want to share with you two of those uh, steps that we're taking. Effective March 7, uh, we will adjust our morning worship services so that the 9 a.m. service is a mask-required service and the 10.30 service is a mask-recommended service. We will continue to livestream the 1030 service uh, for those that are not yet ready to join us on campus for worship. This means that we will have three distinct worship experiences uh, for, for our body to come together and worship. We will continue to ask everyone to wear masks inside the building for both services, but members attending the 1030 service will be able to lower their mask within, while in the pew. Masks will be required throughout the nine o'clock service. We will continue to have uh, pews roped off to ensure social distancing as we are seated. And we encourage everyone at both services uh, to move out into the parking lot for the long conversations that we all treasure after worship. Uh, Once again, effective on March 7, the 9 a.m. service will be mask required and the 10.30 service will be mask recommended. As shepherds, we believe that time together in the Word is critically important for our spiritual well-being. In God's Word, we find stories of God's faithfulness in the past. We find stories that demonstrate His deep caring and His sacrificial love for us. And we find promise upon promise that He will equip us to be His people in this world. And we need to share those stories with each other on a regular basis. This leads me to our second new step for Landmark. On April 11, the Sunday after Easter, we will be adjusting the times of our services to make space for regular Bible classes to resume meeting. We look... (laughs) Looks like many of us share this longing, doesn't it? In the coming days, you'll hear more details about special services on the day of Easter and then about Bible classes as they commence on April 11. We believe that worshiping together and studying God's word together are powerful medicine for the challenges of our times. I also want to mention that as we add more opportunities here at the building, we increase our need for members to put their faith to work in acts of service to make these things happen. If you have not been called, if no one has reached out to you and asked you to consider volunteering, please consider this your personal invitation. If there's something that you would like to be able to do, call the church office and let them know. We we need folks to step up now to help make all of these things happen. Last, uh, these are awkward times. And all of us, each of us individually, we are called to adapt and adjust in consideration and on behalf of the others around us. We all long for a return to a pre pandemic norm. For Landmark, the pre pandemic norm language was that we sought to be a mission focused, mission centered, mission driven church. The landmark church exists to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus and to be a community of believers for those experiencing life's struggles. And there are lots of struggles going on right now. I would ask each of you, me, us, all of us, to seek God's guidance on how we can be mission-focused as individuals and how we can be mission-focused as a church. Please consider coming to the worship center this Wednesday for our day of prayer. The six topics there, uh, Christ-centered, word-focused, unity, renew our spirit, reconnecting, and living boldly. Each of those, we think, are elements of being a mission-centered body of believers. I'd like to pray briefly before I finish. Dear Father, we are grateful that you have called us to you through your Son, and we are grateful that in calling us closer and closer to you, you create a bond between between each of us and our brothers and sisters around us. And so, Father, as we um, step by step return to the sort of things that we've had in the past, we pray that each of these new blessings, each of these new opportunities, we turn toward Bringing you honor toward being your people in this place and toward giving you glory and honor for all that is. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, I appreciate so very much our shepherds. Uh, These have been difficult discussions for months and, uh, boy, they prayerfully consider things and are trying to help us to take the right steps. I'm excited about this. I think it'll open up doors for more people to be here. Also open up a door for nine o'clock to be even a safer environment for those that are fearful. So these are absolutely great times. Today we finish our series, Faith Over Fear. I I want you to uh, look at a passage that I think confirms how important What we're talking about is Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Did you hear those words? It is impossible to please God without faith. You know, I've researched the Greek word all week long for impossible. You'll be surprised to find out it literally means impossible, all right? You you just can't please God without faith. Some translations say no one can please God without faith. And so, we find ourselves so often in a moment of a man who approached Jesus, who said these words, I believe, help my unbelief. Say that with me. I believe, help my unbelief. That's probably been one of the most frequent prayers of my life. I believe, help my unbelief. And this morning, we want to look and find out how God answers that prayer. But first of all, let's dive back into the story. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 9, and let's study together. Now, you need to understand that this story happens right after Jesus and Peter, James, and John are on the Mount of Transfiguration. It is truly a mountaintop experience. And Jesus, like all of us, is coming off the mountaintop and immediately runs into trouble. Look at verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. So the church cops, we call them today, the fact-checkers, are out. And they're trying to catch them, and the disciples have gotten to argument with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and ran to greet him. It makes me wonder, is Jesus still glowing from the mountaintop? And then Jesus pointedly asked, what are you arguing with them about? And then the man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Terrible condition. I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. What's the problem? In Mark chapter 3, Jesus had given his apostles the authority and the power to do it, but they can't do it. And Jesus is exasperated. You hear it in the next verse. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rode around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It is often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. What is the word that shouldn't be there in that verse? It, it's a two-letter word. It starts with an I, it ends with an F. Oh, this guy's got the audacity audacity, excuse me, to come to Jesus and go, okay, Jesus, we got this problem. And if you could do something about it, I would really appreciate it. Not sure if you could or not, but if you could. And Jesus retorts, if you can. Can you imagine the voice tone of Jesus there? Who do you think you're talking to? If I can, I'm the creator of the world. I've got all power. And then Jesus says to him, he says, "Um, everything is possible for, for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, here's our prayer, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Now, here's the point you just got to grab quickly, or, or you might be discouraged today. It doesn't take perfect faith for God to do miracles. This guy doesn't have perfect faith, and Jesus answers his request. And then the disciples were a little confused why they couldn't do it. So after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Uh, Matthew says, this guy kind can only come out by faith. What, what do you learn there? Guys, there's such an incredible connection between belief, faith, and prayer. You know... You, When when, when you pray, you're saying, I believe that something could happen. When you have faith, you'll be driven to prayer. In fact, if you want to do a good measure of your faith life at the end of this series, I challenge you to look at your prayer life. Because if we really believe, we pray. So he says to these guys, the reason you blew it is you tried to cast this demon out on your own power when you should have just asked me and we'd have done it. So here's our question today. How does God answer this prayer? Well, first of all, let's talk about it being a prayer. I love that statement, I believe helped my unbelief. But so often, let me say to you, I've, I've used that more of a statement of fact. Okay, I've got some belief, and I've got some unbelief, and that's just sort of statically where I live. I just, I just live between the two. And so often when I say that, what I'm just saying is that, that's who I am. It's almost like the saying that that many of us say that's so awful. I'm just a poor sinner saved by grace. No, you're a child of the king. You've been redeemed. You're on your way to heaven. And to make this as a statement, I believe, but I still got some unbelief, is not what it was intended to be. It was intended not to be a statement, of fact, but a prayer for belief. It was meant to create movement, okay? I'm in this spot, Jesus. You know it already. You know my heart. I've got some unbelief, but I want to get past that. I want to fully embrace, not if you can, but that you can. So, how does God answer that prayer? If you pray that prayer, and I pray that prayer, it's one of the best one-line prayers in the Bible. How does He answer it? I want to give you five reasons today, and this will actually be a review of the messages over the last eight weeks, of how we move from unbelief to belief, how we move from fear to faith. We ask it, what has God done? Number one, He gave us His Son on the cross to express His love. Because faith is a matter of trust. And that's the response to the cross, is I trust you. When I spend time at the cross and I recognize that he gave his life for me, it makes my response, I'd love to give my life to him. How can I not trust the God who's willing to give everything up for me? He's willing to have his blood spilt, his face sped upon, his name mocked, his back beaten to literally encounter death. There is no good reason for that except that he loves me. And so when I'm struggling with my faith, I need to go and look at that. We'll do that in just a few minutes. I was talking to a young man this week who's struggling with his faith. And he's struggling for a lot of reasons some of us struggle. He's struggling with some of those Old Testament stories that don't seem like God. God to us anyway, God wipes people out. And I I had to tell the young man, I really don't have an answer to all those things. I could give you something, but here's what I do know. I do know the Bible says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. That Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen God. And so, when I get struggling with those stories, I always go back to Jesus. And the best place to go back to Jesus about is to go back to the cross and go, what is his character like? Can I trust my life? Can I have faith? Number two, his resurrection from the dead, he resurrected from the dead to prove his claims. Why do we know he was the son of God? He could have died on a cross and just been another dead religious leader who had a cause. Romans 1, Chapter chapter 1, verse 4 says, We know it's true because of the resurrection. And so, this challenge to grow your faith, your response to this is to think. Because I understand faith is not based on complete sight, but it's also not based on nothing. God has given you great evidence to believe that He exists. And to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And on the top of that list is his resurrection. In fact, you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's right, and he says, Guys, if Jesus is not resurrected, then we're, you're wasting your time. And what, what are you doing in church? Go watch Netflix, you know? Or he'd probably say, Go get your Betamax player out. I mean, just, 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 it doesn't, it makes no sense if he's dead for you to be here. But he says, if he's alive, it makes all the sense in the world for you to give your life to him. In fact, what Paul says is, I want you guys to go check it out. There's over 500 people who witnessed the resurrected Christ. They're still alive. Go ask them about this. And guys, what God says to us today, if you're struggling with your faith, is check it out. One of the most important things I've done in my life to help build my faith is read books on Christian evidence. Because if you go there, there's great evidence. And the best chapters in every one of those books are the chapters on the resurrection. And my friends, there's a lot of people who started off as atheists who were willing to study the resurrection of Jesus Christ who end up as believers. And so if you're struggling with your faith, one thing God has given you to build your faith is not that you can prove everything in the Bible. But you can prove the most important thing is that Jesus is alive. And that proves who he is. Number three, his word gives us stories to build our faith. We've talked about this a lot. Stories are so powerful. So what's the challenge here? What's our response to what God has given? It's to actually study. Now let's pause here for a moment, as Nathan would say. And let's think about this. You expect me, the preacher, to say, You need to leave here and read your Bible and pray more. Because you've heard it a thousand times. I've probably said it a thousand times. It's like going to a doctor and you say, hey, you know, I am overweight and I need to lose weight. You know that what the doctor is going to say to you is that you need to diet and exercise. He's going to say the same thing. It's not rocket science. Why does he say that? Because it works. Why does he say it? Because that is true. If you really want to lose weight, there are two basic things. You've got to cut back on your food intake, and you've got to exercise more. It just works. So why do I say to you, you need to read your Bible and pray because it's true. That's how you get faith. It works. And that's why we love these stories, because stories motivate us and transform us much more than do's and don'ts and commands. Oh, guys, there's a place to read the do's and don'ts and the commands of the Bible. They are there. But the Old Testament proved those didn't really change people. What changes people is to be invited into the story. You know, later in this service, I'm going to challenge you to step out and do something that makes you uncomfortable. And you'll come up with the idea. Just about, now, how would I motivate you best? By saying, okay, you're commanded by God. You got to step out, dude. No, the best way I can motivate you is tell that story we looked at a few weeks ago, Dave and Goliath, and go, here's this kid, didn't even make the army, shouldn't have even been there, everybody else is scared, but he sees God, and he steps out, and he defeats not just Goliath, but the whole Philistine army. Why do we teach our children those stories? Because we know they're what build faith. The crazy thing is we as adults feel like we're past the stories. The stories are what build our faith. And so we need to be constantly going back to Scripture to read those stories. Number four, how does God answer that prayer? His Word gives us promises to hold on to. Remember Hebrews eleven six: 6? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Watch out, King James is coming. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What do you got to believe? You got to first of all believe he is. And second of all, you got to believe his promises. That's how faith comes. And God has given us a Bible so full of promises. So what's our response is to focus. The, The biblical word here would be to meditate. How do you meditate? You um. You might memorize, meditate, stay focused on it, memorize it, because it's in those difficult, tough moments of life, which we're all having a bunch of, that the promise comes to your mind and sustains you. I love this quotation from an unknown author. Both faith and fear will sell into your harbor. Only let faith drop anchor. How do you let faith drop anchor? By focusing on, Own God, his stories, and his promises more than own your problems. That's why we love the story a few weeks ago of Caleb. This guy has claimed a promise that was fulfilled 45 years later. God has said to him, I'm going to give you the hill country when you go in the promised lands. Everybody messed it up, and so he doesn't go. So they wander for 40 years. Five years later, Caleb's at the base of this mountain. He reminds God, you promised me I could take the toughest part. He's 85 years old, and he steps out and he takes it on because of a promise. Today, we will be celebrating this afternoon the life of one of the great saints of landmark, Nita Royal. A lot of you don't know her because she was before your day, but in part of all of our lives. She was a founding member of this church. Many of you know her. I've I've, I've made phone calls about her getting ready for this afternoon. And I don't know that I've ever made phone calls where people were so speechless. Not because there weren't good things to say about her, but they didn't know where to start. They're like, wow. I like, one, one person said, she's a rock star. <laughs> she's Landmark's national treasure. I love that. And some of you, you were in her Sunday school classes where she taught. You were part of when she used to teach the junior high. Some of you had your marriages mentored by her and her husband, Bill. And her faith did nothing but grow. You remember I talked about her a few weeks ago, about, about lasting, finishing strong. 96 years old, she'd overcome COVID, beaten all kinds of odds. She lives in this retirement home, and, and she keeps telling her daughter, Bonnie, Bonnie, I just don't know why God lets me keep living. I'm, 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 I mean, if anybody was ready to go on, she was ready to go home. And then she said, but Bonnie, here's what happens. is every day when I go to that that room where everyone gathers, I take my wheelchair with my Bible in my lap. Guess what? She's doing what she's done her whole life. She's telling stories about Jesus. And my friends, that's what we hold on to so that we can make it to that moment where we can say, with Ms. Nita, Lord, please come quickly. So number five, how does God answer the prayer for faith? He has empowered us by his spirit to do Jesus's work. That's crazy. We're going to talk about that a lot in the next few weeks when we we'll to be looking at the book of Ephesians and our theme will be called Why Church? And one thing Ephesians says is the church is the body of Christ. We have been left here to do whatever Jesus would do. How in the world could you and I do that? Through the Holy Spirit. And listen to me. Your faith will grow and my faith will grow when we step out to do something we could not do on our own. Listen to me. Why in the world does God need to show up when I'm doing what I can already do? Because we got gifted people in this church. This is an awesome church. We, We could do a lot by just the gifts God has already given us and the talents. But what's really going to build our faith is when I get out of my comfort zone and I step out to do something that I can only do for God and with His power. When I say this incredibly crazy thing, I'd actually like to be like Jesus. When I say, why don't we win this community for Jesus? When I say in a world where everything's divided and everybody's fighting each other, when well, we watch everybody's Facebook page to what they say or what they like so we can jump on them, when we do that kind of stuff, how about we be the people that are united? How about in a world where the culture's gone crazy on us, we believe that we could impact culture more than culture can impact us. That we can be counter-cultural. That we can be the people who in the midst of everything going haywire actually stand for righteousness in every direction. We can do that not on our own power. How about if you decide, you know what, I've been a really lousy husband By the power of God, I can be better. You know, I've never led my family. My dad never led his family spiritually, so I don't know what to do, but I am going to lead my family spiritually. Or, you know, I'm going to go to work, and, you know, I'm going to share my faith. I'm so uncomfortable about saying anything. I'm even uncomfortable to invite somebody to church, but I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. Here's what I want to promise you. This is what Scripture says. When you do that, the Spirit shows up, he even gives you words. So step out. That's how your faith grows. So, I love this quotation by John Wayne. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Because when we talk about being people of faith, we're not talking about, you know, having a perfect faith. Nobody does. We're not even talking about not being afraid. We all are. We're talking about going, you know what? I'm going to step out even despite my struggles. I'm going to saddle up. I'm going to be involved in the kingdom of God. Now, many of you, let's be honest, your struggle is the same struggle that this man with the demon possessed son had. He had been disappointed in Jesus' disciples. He's frustrated. They, they don't do what they could have done. I talked to a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people not in church today because they've been disappointed by Jesus' disciples. Talked to a young man this week. He said, I used to go to church all the time. But when I was a teenager, I came to church and the very same people I saw drunk on Saturday night were raising their hands on Sunday morning. There are people out there because they've been Disappointed. And let's be honest, we will disappoint. But we've got to be the people who say, you know what? Despite the disappointment, I'm going to do exactly what this man did. I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to confess my need for faith. And I'm going to keep moving forward. Many of you are here. Even you're showing up here, but but you're not fully engaged in the work of this church because you've been disappointed in church in your life. Most of us have. And so now it's sort of your running excuse to not really jump in. Because the church has always been made up of imperfect people. What we need are people who say, you know what? I'm going to be the one that's going to make a difference. I'm not going to contribute to the problem of people looking at me and saying, why would I want to be a part of that organization if that's the way they live? We can be different. So here's the bottom line of our eight weeks. The more you know God, the more you trust God, the less fearful you are. Perfect love casts out fear. It'll cast out your fear of the future. Many of us live in that right now because the future is incredibly unknown. We don't even know what's going to happen with this virus and its mutations. It's unknown. We all know that more than ever right now. But through faith, we know who will show up in our future is God. Through faith, you can overcome your fear of failure. Guess what? When God's people fail, all God does is pick them back up. He's not going to punish you. You know, you, know, you, know the he's, you know the person he's really disappointed in is the person who doesn't try. The person he actually has a lot of patience with is the person who tries and fails. So Step out, try. He'll pick you up even if you do fail. And many of us, quite frankly, live in the fear of men. We're scared to death of what men would think about it. What, what, would, what would the people at my school think if I really stepped out? What would the people think, you know, I go to college with, who half of them are sleeping with somebody, and I go, you know what? I'm not going to do that. What would they do at work if my language clears up and I don't laugh at some of those jokes? What would my family think if I walked in one day and said, Guys, I know I hadn't been leading very well, but we're going to put God first. I mean, listen to this passage from Luke chapter 12. It always hits me. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear. That they would be put out of the synagogue. And here's what Jesus sums it up with. They love the human praise more than the praise from God. Listen to me. If you decide God's first and that's who you're here to please, we can overcome our fear of people. So, as we close this series of choosing faith over fear, I'm asking you to do more than just buy the t-shirt. Even though we've had lots of t-shirts. Now, I love wearing my t-shirt because it's a great conversation starter. But just having the t-shirt is not what this series is about. It's about doing what this man did and asking God for faith. To put it exactly the way he did, I think it would be accurate for every person in here. I believe, but I sure want to believe more. Now, here's the good news. You don't have to manufacture faith on your own. It's a gift from God. And we've given you five ways that God has given you that gift. So here's what we're going to do as we close out this morning. We're going to do two things before we walk out of here in just a few minutes to build your faith. First of all, we're going to take communion. My favorite extra biblical quotation of this series was from Sarah Young. Gaze at God, glance at your problems. Why just struck me. A communion is that wonderful moment where I go, you know what? I'm going to just be completely enraptured. As the Bible said, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to remember what he did. I'm going to trust his character. I'm going to know he loves me. And I'm going to live that way even when I walk out of here. Oh, i got problems. I can't completely ignore them. But I'm just going to glance at them. Because like we said, the more you know God, the more you trust him, the more your fear will be cast out. So we're going to do that in communion. And then we're going to have a time for prayer. Last week was so beautiful when so many of you came forward. Let's, let's go ahead and bring the basket over here. And you may have something that you need us to pray about today that responds to this. I mean, if you don't have something that comes to your heart, except what we've talked about, just use the line from the message. You've got cards in front of you in your pew. Just fill in the blank, I believe, help my unbelief about. Now, here's what I want to promise you. Number one, we do not mention these cards online. Okay? It'll be kept here. Number two, if you're watching online, in just a moment, you'll be given a phone number that you can call and give your prayer request because we want everybody to have the opportunity to pray. You see, guys, it is one thing just to individually pray this prayer for you. That's powerful. And God answers it. But if you read Scripture closely, there's something even more powerful when we pray together. So, let me outline it. Please pay real close attention. We're about to sing two songs. During that first song, as you take communion, I, I would love that to be a time of reflection for you. And there's something that you need to confess or ask for prayers for, for our church, from our church, then there's a card right there. In front. Just fill that out during that first song. And then at the end of that, or during the second song, we'll all stand and we'll ask you to bring your cards and then we'll close this service out by joining that man and talking to Jesus and saying, I believe, help my unbelief. So the challenge in these next few moments is to gaze at God and to give him your problems. Let's take communion together. The worship team comes up and I pray. Lord, we, um, I love this story. I, I, I always just love it when this guy says, if you can. Oh my. But Lord, what I've quoted more than anything else from this story in my life is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But I will confess to you too often, it has just been a statement of fact and not a prayer for faith. And so today, we come to you praying for faith. And Father, there's no better place for us to learn to trust you than around this communion table as we remember what your son did and who he was. So God, build our faith through that. And then Lord, if we need the prayers of our church family today, build our faith through us praying together. God, we choose faith over fear.